everybody, it's Joe Parrot Farms The Ladies with your dog group. Are you feeling stuck with your gen dog training? Trust me, you're not alone and that's exactly why you need to be here. Every week we're bringing you the best tips and hacks to make training your gen dog easy peasy. We'll keep it straightforward, no fuss, just actionable guidance that you can put straight to use. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Founded Fetched It. This week, we are excited to be joined by Nicola Calendra, a specialist vet in small animal surgery. Nicola is a new guest to our podcast. Welcome, Nicola. How are you today? Yeah, good. Thank you, Joe. I'm really interested to have this sort of conversation and go into this topic with you, um, Nicola, because obesity is like one of those things in dogs that's not completely understood, as in, when is my dog sort of obese? So, how do we like sort of judge obesity in a dog? Well, I guess it's a very challenging thing to judge these days because if you go out onto the street, probably most of the dogs we come across are overweight. So if you're looking to judge it based on other dogs you might see, that's not always a good indication. But I guess typically we want dogs to be in our glass shape and it very much depends on the breed. So for most dogs, like your gun dogs, um, you want them to be like a nice hourglass shape. They want to have a nice tucked in waist and you should be able to just about see the, the last rib and you should definitely be able to palpate them. Um, whereas other dogs like sighthounds, for example, they, they're often, you know, they're a different shape completely. But um, but yeah, it is difficult to to judge. And like even if you try to use a scale, like a weight scale, because dogs, even between breeds, like you can get very small Labradors, very big Labradors. It's very difficult to to say, you know, well, they need to be, you know, X number of kilograms to to be healthy. So it goes very much on what we call the body condition score. And if you have a look online, you can see lots of charts to, to refer to. And we normally grade them out of nine. And whereas you want to aim for a good five in the middle, like not too skinny and not too um, overweight. And you are right. When you walk the streets now, sometimes I think you see dogs that to me and to you, we think nice, healthy weight. But then to others might look, or are they a little bit, underweight because we'd see a lot of dogs that tend to be carrying a lot more weight than normal should we say yeah of course like for me I think it's probably more unusual these days when I think oh that's a nice looking Labrador it's got a nice waist whereas most of the times the Labradors that we see for example are overweight and it is very difficult for these breeds because they're you know the natural instinct is to to eat like it's something that's intrinsic in in dogs you know it's just it's a survival instinct you know they've, they've got some food they just want to want to eat so it's um you know we can't blame them it's not their fault it's something that's you know physically inside these dogs they their drive to to eat as much food as possible what do you think are the main causes of obesity in dogs it has to come back to people and um, i mean your owners are the the boss you know it's not like a labrador can decide you know he wants a large portion of food for dinner or, you know, I'm going to cut back a bit today. So it's people, unfortunately. And it's people being kind. You know, they look at you with their puppy dog eyes. I'll just give them a bit more food. I'm just eating my dinner. There's a little bit of meat left. I'm just going to give you this bit of meat and gravy. Give them lots of treats if you're doing dog training. Um, you know, lots of treats that keep going. You know, it all adds up. You know, each little treat you give, like some of them have got the same amount of calories for a dog as like a Big Mac. It's, you know, this has got a huge impact. So, yeah, it's really people, unfortunately, being kind, but actually not helping matters. What you just sort of said, they just touched home because I thought, not that I think I should be checking the calories of every pack, but I don't even know, and I can't even tell you whether the treat 
tell me their nutritional content? Like, I I don't know what even you know the answer to. Do they need to tell us what we're giving our dogs? They do have some information on the back. But I guess ultimately as well, it's hard to say, you know, like one treat for a small dog is quite a lot proportionally to a, a larger dog. So we can't really have the same guide. Like in people, you know, we can say, you know, this is how many calories a, an adult male should be eating. So it's a lot easier then to gauge, you know, how you're doing. But in dogs, there's such a variety. I'm not even sure that would be so useful. So if you do yeah. have problems with your dog, dog's weight, some of the things that are advised are, like if you weigh the dog's food, and if you're going to be doing lots of training with them in the day, you take a handful of that food for the day, you put it in a little bag, and then you can use the, the food then as the um, the treat so that way you don't have to use, you know, other foods to to try to like, tempt them to, to do their agility, for example. Yeah, and, and you're quite right. It's really easy through the day. Like, because I, I work from home and I eat my meals in the house, it's quite easy to say, oh, have that bit, or, you know, have that bit of fat, or, or have this bit, because they're with you, they're part of your day, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I can see how owner could unwittingly be giving them so many more calories and in our house, we have two spaniels and then we have one poodle cross. And, you know, I don't say, oh, well, you have a little bit less because you're smaller. They tend to have pretty much the same. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a lot for us to think about in, in what are we giving them in relation to their size. Yeah, absolutely. So what are sort of the early signs of obesity in dogs that, sh- that owners need to be looking out for? You know, it's something that you don't necessarily see early signs for. It's just something that creeps up and it gets to a point where like, like for an owner might not necessarily notice it because they put a little bit more weight on every day and it's not something that you can you can tell. Because they get bigger, they can get more lethargic. They don't want to go out for walks as much. Everything's more of an effort. You know, they might struggle to get up the stairs a little bit more. Like it, it does have quite pronounced effects on their breathing, especially you know, some breeds like the shorter nose breeds, your brachycephalics, it can have huge impact on their breathing. And for other dogs, they might be prone to joint issues. Um, they might have hip dysplasia or other orthopedic conditions. You know, they might really be a bit more sluggish when they're walking, a bit stiffer. Um, and you know, there's other you know things that it can cause as well, like pancreatitis and um, other um, problems. So it's but they tend to manifest more later on. So in the early stages, you might not necessarily see it. So it is something you probably need to be aware of earlier on. And every dog is different. Like even if you read the back of the pack and it says to feed, you know, 500 grams for this weight dog. You know, for some dogs, that'll still be too much for them. So you do have to be quite dynamic in your feeding and you have to just keep an eye on them. And if it looks like they are putting on weight, you know, you can cut back, you can weigh it a little bit less. So the, an easy thing to do is if you get like a like a pot, like a say like an old um like soup pot, like a little plastic one. You know, you can weigh it out when you start and then just draw a little line on it so you don't have to weigh it out every day. So that way it saves time in the morning then into working out how much food to give. I suppose for us as humans, like as, as our sort of trousers get a little bit tight, you think, oh, maybe I need to slow down here. But you're, you're quite right. It's normally our, our clothing that tells us because I... I suppose when we look in the mirror, we don't see tiny, tiny changes. So for us looking at our dogs, it's the same. We're not seeing those tiny, tiny gradual changes. We see it maybe, like you said, at the point where we are seeing problems occur from that weight. Yeah, definitely. We've 
touched a little bit on um, like the sort of problems that we can have from them. But can obesity in dogs be linked to like certain behavioural changes? It's apart from like slowing down quite a bit. That might be the only thing that you see because they're not, you know, they don't want to go out for a walk as much. Or if they do go on a walk, they might want to turn around a bit quicker because everything's a bit harder for them. So the impact, if they store fat not only on the outside, but also on the inside of their bodies as well. So they might not be able to expand their lungs as well. Um, their abdomens might feel a bit tighter. So they're going to go for a walk, but they feel a bit uncomfortable. They might just want to go back home and sleep. And again, that leads to the cycle of, you know, it's the same as a person, you know, you need to have a good diet and exercise. So yeah, they're probably the things that you see most commonly from their behaviour. And for some breeds, like if you do start feeding them from the table, they do start to get into a habit and they might start to steal food more. So they you know, we always say not to feed food from the table because, they, you know, they're more likely to steal your Christmas dinner or things when you're not looking. Again, no, like, like you said right at the beginning, people do it out of kindness, don't they? They look at them too. Yeah, they're, they're very loved dogs. <laughs> so how does obesity, like we've touched on it, like how it impacts their overall health and their longevity, but for long term, we can kill them with our kindness, can't we? Definitely. They do, you know, have um problems. Like, so like I won't keep going, referring back to you know, Labradors, but it applies to other breeds, like especially like beagles and spaniels and things. If they're carrying all this weight, it's really going to affect their, their joint mobility. And like often, the, like some breeds are really prone to um, to certain joint conditions and arthritis. And um, definitely, you know, we might, you know, have to euthanize them you know, sooner if they're really struggling to, to get around. In addition to like breathing problems, like I said, they often store fat in their airways. Um, especially in the summer months and some breeds like your like your pugs, your bulldogs, you know, they're so vulnerable to to high temperatures. And we've definitely lost, you know, quite a lot of dogs because of um, obesity and having, you know, abnormal airways. We don't actually think a lot really to be like, as you're talking, I think, oh, I don't actually think about what's building on the inside. Because we don't think about it as humans. We 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 sort of judge our weight mostly on our visual appearance so we don't really think what's going on inside but i know i don't think loads about oh what's going on inside of my dog yeah absolutely and it can have all sorts of you know things um like you can affect the pancreas the pancreas is a really sensitive organ so if dogs do have lots of fatty meals it can make it inflamed and also like in the abdomen when you will we do surgery on dogs' um, abdomens. It can be absolutely rampacked with fat sometimes. And I guess the reality is we don't know how much it does impact them. And maybe in the future, you know, we're inventing you know, more and more diseases all the time. Like things are becoming more apparent. So there's definitely lots of health implications. Like if, you know, with you know people, obviously there's, you know, the problems with diabetes and insulin resistance. And in dogs now, we're, um, you know, we are starting to, to find the same links. If you think about it, like it's it's quite fascinating when you say like about even like surgeries. We don't think sometimes like that by letting them get overweight, we then make an issue for things like if they needed surgery, even on like a, a routine spay in, there's there's more for you to deal with, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, certainly like a spay on an overweight dog is um a lot more challenging compared to a to a slim dog because they just store fat all around their kidneys and their ovaries. So from my perspective, I'd much rather operate on a slim animal. Yeah, definitely. And and a, and a healthy animal because they'll yeah. be able to bounce back quicker after an operation. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a real balance, isn't it? Because like you said, we, you know, we're trying to be kind and to do the best thing for them, but actually the kinder thing is to cut back and to get them into a healthy weight range. Is there sort of any dietary changes that you recommend? Like if somebody's listening to this now and they're like, oh, my, mine is carrying a little bit more than probably they should. Is there any sort of uh, dietary changes they can make to rectify that, to take it back the other way? Oh, definitely. There's loads of things to do. And um, one of the most sensible things is to get in touch with your local vet. Um, they often do weight clinics, so you can go in, you can pop them on the scales and, you know, they can get used to go into the vet. So if they don't like going, it's quite nice. You know, they can go stand on the scales just to get used to going there. You can get a regular weight check then to make sure that we're aware of, you know, what we're doing is going to cause any change. You can take your normal food and just reduce it by 10, 20%. Or something that you can do is to get one of these prescription diets so they're lower in fat. It's kind of like when you go to, to Slimming World or other um, weight loss um, clinics uh, where you're eating the same like volume of food, but actually the calorie um, per calorie density is less, is lower. So the dogs feel like they're having the same food as they were having before, but there's a lot less energy in it for them. So that's probably one of the easiest ways to do it in the way you can get quicker results. And lots of vets um, you know, run these regular clinics where they can help you to adjust things. When you weigh your food out, you just take a little bit aside each day so you don't have any more treats, you know, no feeding off the table, and you're really quite strict about things. If you want to give them a little treat, you could give them a little bit of carrot or you know other vegetable, um, just to try to you know they feel like they're getting something exciting. But to, yeah, to cut out anything, no sausages, bits of meat, all these things have got a lot of calories for them. Yeah, because when we tend to treat, we do tend to treat with sort of like high density, high calorie foods rather than you know, oh here's a carrot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Chances are they would enjoy the carrot just as much. Yeah, it's true. And I suppose for them as well, when you're adding vegetables to their diet, there's obviously the good implications from that as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. They've got vitamins, minerals in. This you know, adds diversity to their diet. They're definitely helpful for them. For all we know, they think carrots the way we think chocolate is. So maybe they'd be like... Uh, yeah. I think it's more than the chase, you know, getting some human food. Like if you cook it, you've got some carrot, like the ends of the carrot, you know, I'll often you know, put them in my dog's bowl just to try to distract him a little bit and he thinks he's getting a good treat there. So we we touched upon there that there are specific foods and supplements that can help manage weight. Is there, you know, this is just a case of going along to the vet and saying, look, can you tell if my dog is overweight or not? And, and what can I do if they are overweight? It's just talking to your vet, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's important to have a, you know, have a good rapport with your local vet. And um, yeah, like the regular clinics help to, to keep it in touch as well. Because if you can go regularly, it it just helps to cement things. Because um, sometimes you think you're doing really well. And then you, know, you might go to your vet's chat to the nurse and you think, oh, gosh, I've been feeding this, thinking this was a good thing. But actually... You know, this isn't helping matters. So they can help you to tweak things. You know, maybe you need to reduce the food volume further. Um, maybe you can start exercising if they're if they're healthy and they've got um, no other problems. Is there sort of a, any sort of exercise regime that you would recommend for like a widow? Because we've touched upon the fact that their joints can be under pressure. Is there a way we can just maybe put some more exercise in for them? 
And again, it depends very much on your, your dog. If they do have joint issues, you don't want to do too much strenuous exercises. So lots of the throwing balls, if they've got joint um, issues, you know, that's not always the, the best thing for them. So like slow, you know, walks um, and walks on the lead, um, they're probably quite beneficial just to go for longer. And if they are really overweight and they're not used to it, like smaller, more frequent walks might be better. It's always difficult to try to fit in all this into, you know, people's lives because obviously people have busy lives. And um, but yeah, lots of regular exercise. You know, if they're healthy and they've got no other issues, you know, take the ball in the garden and throw it. So you know, that's something that can really um, help to to move them around more. Yeah, because like for a lot of our ladies, when we train, we maybe go to somewhere a little bit um, a bit wider to do a little bit more work. But even in the garden, like back and forth they can they can track up quite a lot of sort of mileage and quite a lot of exercise just going back and forth can't they yeah absolutely yeah it's like if I'm struggling to take my dog out for a bit I need to burn off all the energy we'll just go in the garden and throw his toys around for a bit and we get some out of breath okay and so what are sort of the best practices for preventing obesity in gun dogs like from an early age when they come into us and as pups they're obviously needing to eat more. And what you know, how can we stop that becoming like a permanent lifestyle habit? I guess it's just knowing what, what food you're giving and how much they need. And obviously we when they're growing, they've got um lots of demands for, for calcium and other chemicals that are really important for their bones to grow. So it's important not to restrict them too much. And especially when they're puppies and they you know they've got lots of puppy fat. Um, that's quite normal but when they get older once they reach about six months or so that's when I think you need to start getting them into a good regime like a six months is when you start to change them from multiple meals a day to just two um, two meals so that's when you need to start thinking about you know how, how are things progressing so just to start early to feed a good quality food um, something that's got you know the right balance of vitamins and minerals in and to make sure that they're getting everything they need I probably wouldn't cut back when they're puppies, um, but once they start to get older, you can start to gauge then, you know, how think how they are, what their metabolism's like, how much exercise they need. Like it's a it's a bit of a vague answer, but I guess every dog is so different, it's hard to give one, you know, one rule fits all. And I think it's like if we go back to where we started the podcast, like you said, for you, you know, you you mentioned it's lovely to see a dog in in the right shape you know I'm I'm I take my spaniel to the, to my local vet and he says oh, it's lovely to see muscle and it's nice to see them looking well and I suppose for those who haven't got an overweight dog you're you're doing a good job aren't you you know you don't let people say oh or they should be heavier yeah everybody's got a strong opinion I think it's uh, fair to say but you know you know what's right for your dog and you know, if you've got a dog that's a healthy weight, you need to celebrate it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for talking to us about this topic because I know that it's really helpful for people, especially in the lead of Christmas now when there's probably more, more sausage and turkey laying around the house than normal. It is very easy to to use the dog as, as the food goes, isn't it? So for people to just be mindful that we don't want them coming out in January uh, carrying more weight than they need to. Definitely, I think we're all responsible for that in our house. <laughs> for us and our dogs. 
Yeah, definitely. Probably more me, to be honest. <laughs> well, thank you very much for giving us your time today, Nicola. Hopefully, we, Nicola will be joining us in small podcasts going forward in 2024, where we will talk more about uh, specialisms and specialism surgery. Um, but for today, we hope that you've enjoyed and we shall see you all next week. That's it for today's episode. A massive thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to head over to the LWDG and sign up for our membership. Get access to expert-led training, a wonderfully supportive community, and the resources you need to become a confident and skilled gun dog trainer. Let's take this journey together, because no woman should have to train her gun dog alone. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.